You are listening to LaxRecords.com podcast, episode six. Today we're talking about scholarships, how to get them, and how hard they are to receive. So let's get started. Hey everybody, Mike here. Welcome to the LaxRecords.com podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. If you want to know where you can find me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at LaxRecords or at Facebook.com slash LaxRecords. All links you'll be able to find in the show notes. So today's podcast I found was pretty topical. With the early signing period coming up, I thought it would be a good time to talk scholarships. Paying for college is a big decision for young students and older students as I'm in grad school now, so you know I've been thinking about that quite a lot lately. Um, it's also a big stressor for their parents um, and with the rush to get a spot on a Division One or Division Two roster and get some money to help pay, it seemed like a good time to go to an expert who knows a lot about this part of the recruiting process. So today we're talking with Patrick O'Rourke. He is the founder of ScholarshipStats.com. I came across his site through Twitter, and to be honest, I kind of got lost in numbers. Next thing I know, a couple hours have gone by, and I've just been kind of clicking around. He covers a lot of topics. I mean, he even has stat scholarships on archery, but obviously for us, we're going to focus on lacrosse. Notably on his site, I was looking at the ratio of available scholarships versus the Mount athletes playing high school lacrosse, and it's just staggering to see that number and the percentage of players that get a spot in a scholarship on Division One and Division Two rosters. He also goes into um, junior colleges and some other other areas. Just to, he does a really deep dive. Like if you into stats, if you like that kind of thing, you're gonna have a lot of fun and find it very interesting. I'm actually gonna have a text version of my thoughts on some of the notable uh, items that I found on LaxRecords.com on Monday, November seventh. So be sure to look out for that. Patrick has a lot of information on his site, so be sure to check it out. I'm going to have a link in the show notes. There's going to be a link in the story for this podcast. If you're, that's where you're listening to it, you're probably already seeing it now. So I'm going to make it easy on you to find his site. If you want to know a little bit more about Patrick, you can go to scholarshipstats.com. He is a CPA at a Washington, D.C., so he's an East Coast guy, and he knows a lot about this. So without further ado, let's get into the interview. So first, uh, just kind of tell me uh, a little about yourself and how you kind of um, ended up coming about founding this site. Um, well, I'd actually done one before, so I did one on business statistics. It was called bizstats.com, mm-hmm. um, and just ended up selling. I was getting kind of bored with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a background in statistics, but uh, uh, the way I actually got into it, we were actually having dinner a few years ago at some friends of ours, and I'm from Seattle, Okay. so West Coast, and uh, my kid's a very good baseball player, uh, my youngest is. And so they were saying, well, there's a lot more lacrosse scholarships than baseball scholarships. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm thinking, no, you're nuts. They said there's no baseball on the West Coast. I mean, lacrosse is, a, as you know, lacrosse is a great sport. Right. But I said, uh, and there's, you know, it's starting to get some lacrosse on the West Coast now. But um, even a few years ago, so there's very little lacrosse on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. You know, and lacrosse is primarily, a, you know, a mid-Atlantic and northeast and some mm-hmm. Midwest. Um, when you compare it to the other sports. Right. So I kind of looked around for data. I really couldn't find anything that was good. And there's just a lot of people, especially, I, you know, my kids are in middle school and high school. And mm-hmm. just a lot of people, their kids are good athletes, and they say, hey, they're going to get a full ride. And 
you know, you're thinking, no, you're not. Look at the numbers, <laughs> you know. Um, so that's kind of reason we got into it. Um, and then we're starting to add some additional content too to make mm -hmm. it uh, more comprehensive, not just the number side. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of the, the real reason. There still is a lot of misconceptions, you know. I'm going to still talk to people and, you so know, we'll everyone is very – daughter's a very good soccer player and I'm convinced she's going to get a full ride. And I said, you know, even if she's really good, I said, there's the average division one roster is 30 players. And I said, there's 10 scholarships. Mm -hmm. I said, it covers a third of the team. You know, and I said, that's division one. Yeah. You know, that's the top end, you know, the biggest schools. Mm -hmm. um, you know, baseball's average <laughs> roster size is 35. There's 11.7 scholarships. So, um, you know, on the numbers side, there's still people that are um, not real aware of it. Right. So was and there something? Other thing, people Go ahead. That underestimate the grades. People right. underestimate the importance of grades. Mm -hmm. So we're getting into that a little more. Okay. Um, was but, there anything that yeah, surprised you? Yeah, lacrosse is one that was – pardon? Was there anything that surprised you when you kind of started compiling this information and, and discovering it for yourself? Because it sounds like it kind of was born out of your own curiosity and, and interest in this. So was there anything that surprised you as you were kind of starting? Um, well, you get surprises all the time, you know, just uh, like we're adding a wrestling section. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so some of the sports I know fairly well. I know baseball fairly well. Um, know a little bit about basketball, but sort of putting together a coach's corner, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so just basically to kind of supplement the data is you get some coaches saying, hey, if my kid's in middle school or high school, and that's who this site's designed for, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's for kids, hey, my kid's good, what steps can they take now if they want to play sports in college? Um, so we got some content from some wrestling coaches and one of them's division one coach first thing he said was just because you win a state championship doesn't mean you get an athletic scholarship right so something like that i found interesting just because i thought hey if you want a state championship you're getting a scholarship mm -hmm. you know and he's like no and you could tell he's had this conversation with a lot of people <laughs> yeah um so you know stuff like that surprised me the other thing that surprises me um, which is a good thing, is so many of these coaches emphasize community involvement and grades mm -hmm. and how they get along with their teammates on the kids that they recruit, which I thought was really good because, you um, you know, coming at it from the perspective I did, I was just thinking, look, if you were just really good at a sport, you know, you're going to end up on a college team. Mm -hmm. And you could tell by all these coaches, their input is, no, that's not true. You know, if, mm -hmm. if this kid isn't getting along with his teammates, if he isn't really coachable, they said, we don't care how good he is or how good she is. I said, well, we're likely not going to recruit them. If someone's really good with the community, you know, and really kind of a leader in their own right, mm -hmm. coaches really look at that in a positive. So, I mean, that's surprising in a good way mm -hmm. to hear feedback like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to imagine it gets to a point for some of these coaches where, you know, especially when you get down to the kind of mid-level D1 and then D2 and D3 where the quality of talent is probably fairly equal. So you're looking for those things that separate one one student from another. Sure. So, you know, that community involvement, definitely the grades would have to play a huge part, even for 
the top level guys. So. Yeah, and the, um, so part of what we're trying to do with the site too is just get you know whether your kid ends up playing in college or not mm -hmm. on a varsity team is if you take steps now that put you in position that you could be recruited, they're typically all good steps because they're mm -hmm. basically saying, look, you got to get good grades, you have to be a leader in the community, you know, you've got to commit to the sport, you mm -hmm. know, on season and off season. So all those things are good things. Um, so um, th that's always a good thing to hear. Another thing surprising, though, is um, the one thing that we heard from coaches I thought was interesting. Again, we're dealing with middle school and high school right. is our audience. Um, so I actually talked with it was the Ohio State receivers coach. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just won a national championship. Um, and so I was just asking, what's the biggest mistake that kids make? And he jumped on it. And he said they get so far behind in grades their freshman and sophomore year in high school. He says they don't catch up. They're playing catch up. And he says, and he says the reality is none of them ever catch up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and he says, and we can't recruit them. He says, we don't care, you know, if they're the fastest running back in the world. He says, we can't recruit them. You know, he says, they aren't going to make it academically. Mm -hmm. um, and a number of coaches have backed that up. And so that's one of the things we're starting to put prominently on the site is, you know, don't just, you know, because some of these kids, um, and you've probably seen this too, is they get through their middle school and early high school, you know, and they're the, they're the big shot. They're the best athletes, mm -hmm. you know, and everyone tells them how great they are, and they, they tend to skirt their schoolwork. Um, and he says that's what a lot of these kids do freshman, sophomore year, and finally they start to realize they're I really need to get good grades. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's too late. I mean, it's, they're playing catch-up and they just don't make it. Exactly. I, I actually started my journalism career covering high school football in Maryland. And, you know, it was one of those things at the time, University of Florida, you know, Urban Meyer was there and they were winning championships. And every kid you ask, like, oh, what college are you interested in? University of Florida, Florida State, Miami. And it got to be one of right. those things where, like, I've talked to your coach. We know what your grades are. You're probably not going in the University of Florida. Like, and it's one of those things, like, I think you're right. 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 Athletes aren't necessarily thinking about that, especially as freshmen and sophomores. And I think for lacrosse, it may even be a, a bigger deal because I was, I was kind of going through your site and looking at some other, other data. It becomes very apparent very quick that parents can spend way more money trying to get their kids noticed in these sports than there's actually money available. Like I look at your, like the average roster Absolutely. size was, I think, like 43 for Division One and Division Two schools. And it's tw for Division One. It's twelve point nine scholarships available. So it's right. like and that's for the whole team. I mean, you got forty one guys. You know, that's that's not, you're not talking like I think I averaged out if the whole roster got some part of a scholarship, it was like two hundred ninety seven dollars. College costs way more than that nowadays. So that's right. You're that's right. you can spend two hundred ninety seven dollars very quickly in a sport like lacrosse, um, one event, and you you've spent your money as far as that goes. So it's always been surprising to me. And I actually have a buddy that runs a sock, does cover high school soccer. And it's amazing how much money gets spent to get kids into college. And I, that's why I really kind of lost hours on your site, just kind of digging into some of the data. Um, so, you know, how did you kind of, you, you, you had the idea, how did you get the data? Like, where did you start to gather all that stuff? 
Um, so what I do, and I've done it with a couple other sites, is you get data from multiple sources. Mm -hmm. And then what we try to do is put the data together and put it into a format that makes sense to people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so like one of the things we just do is we, we'll show, for Division One sports, now we're starting to show what's the average athletic scholarship per sport mm -hmm. for Division One. Um, but the data the schools are required to report for, for Title IX, because the private schools don't have to report. Right. You can do like a Freedom of Information Act, and they don't have to report right. um, to you. Uh, public schools typically, depending on the state, will give you data. Um, but everyone, if you're supported, if you get federal money, you're subject to Title IX. And so one of the things that um, we report is we report like the average athletic aid per varsity athlete. Mm -hmm. But the data we get is always in the aggregate. So if someone will say, you know, Ohio State spent, you know, $3 million on women's teams and $4 million on men's teams. But, and so someone looking at it says, well, what's that mean? Right. You know, right. that doesn't mean anything to me. So what we'll do is we'll say, well, let's break it down on a per-athlete basis. Okay, and then that makes sense to people. I say, okay, if you, if you make a varsity athlete, the average varsity athlete, let's say for, I'll look at one. I'm going to look at a real high price school. <laughs> University of Connecticut's 19000 mm -hmm. So that's the average for all the varsity athletes. So that, that tends to make, you know, that tends to put things into reality for people. Right. But then you might look at it. Cost us fifty thousand dollars a year to send a kid to the University of Connecticut if I'm living in Maryland. Mm -hmm. um, so even with nineteen thousand, we still got to cover thirty. Um, so what we do with the data? So I'll get I'll get data from the Department of Education. I'll get it from the NCA. I get it directly from the schools. Um, and then what we do is we try to put it all together in one format. That someone can like look on, like we have some of these big tables. Mm -hmm. um, that someone can look at it, and they can look at, you know, a certain school and how much is it going to cost. One is, do they have a team that my kid has is interested in playing a sport? Right. You know, how big is the team? What's it going to cost? You know, what's the SAT scores or ACT scores? What's the admission rates? Um, just so in one place, what basically just take information from a different bunch of different places, put it in a format that people understand. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then make it so you can read it. It's useful. Right. Um, and then even this, on, one, on some of these, like we'll have uh, one that's really popular is we have the odds of high school athlete playing in college. Mm-hmm. So, so from that, we'll go straight to the NCA, get the college participation, but then we go to the uh, Association of High Schools in the U.S. We'll get the mm -hmm. high school participation. We'll blend those two data runs and we'll get a percentage. Okay. Um, and that percentage just typically works pretty well. Yeah. Um, some, some sports it doesn't. Some sports, um, the percentages there are totally meaningless. Right. So you uh, mentioned... Like one is rowing. Everyone thinks oh. rowing is like the big scholarship. And I said, you know, you're nuts. Look at the actual numbers. And I said, it really isn't. Yeah. So you mentioned um, the the other thing that's surprising is um, 
if you're looking for surprises, is some of the schools that abuse the Title IX reporting. Because what we'll do oh. is we need to, what we report is we need to report what are varsity programs, you know, and eligible for scholarships. Right. And supported by the school right. versus club programs. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically, if you're on the web, if you're on a school's website, their athletic department makes it very clear what's varsity sports and what are club sports. Right. And right. and sometimes it's not so clear. So, but what we typically do is we make we put the data together and we say let's check the Title IX reports. And say you know, if they say it's a varsity sport, is it really there? And what things are. Um, that they're reporting as a varsity sport that isn't they aren't reporting for Title IX. So we try to tie those together. Okay. But you'll see okay. you'll see some numbers that are absolutely crazy. And you're going, come on, this is a total abuse. Yeah. Um, so I mean one is if you look at some of the women's rowing rosters. So like UCLA will report for Title IX that they have hundred and eighty women on the rowing team. Hundred and eighty? That's not hundred and eighty. Wow. Wisconsin does it, University of Washington does it. And the New York Times did an article about it a few years ago, and basically they use the rowing, you know, that anyone that's kind of remotely tied with the program, they'll say they're actually part of the varsity team, hmm. you know, and they yeah. use it kind of as a Title IX, Title IX. Uh, Still that requirement. Answer. Yeah. Um, so you see surprises like that. There's some teams, if you look at, um, if you go to the Title IX website. Mm-hmm. If you go to, let's say, Baylor, they'll list that they have 40 women on their basketball team. You know, so we get the <laughs> rosters, we tie out to that, and I go, man, that's a big roster, you know? Yeah. That's a lot of people on the bench. And you look at the footnotes, and 27 of them are male practice players. So for according to U.S. Department of Regulation rulings, they say they're supposed to report the male practice players as female participants. Oh, that's... So you, Interesting. You, you just see some crazy stuff like that. So that stuff's surprising. Yeah. Um, in the reporting. But the other thing I think is surprising that probably relates to what you do is, you know, people talk, let's say, about, let's say, like, Division One is, you know, on one level, and then they kind of look at Division Two and Division Three as lower divisions. Yep. Which really isn't true. Um you know, they aren't as big in athletics. They have fewer, you know, Division Two has fewer athletic scholarships. They tend to be smaller schools. Same with Division Three. But how competitive it is to get on those teams. Yeah. And how good the coaching is. And so, you know, I found that a surprise. I even find with some of these JC colleges, yeah, very competitive. The coaches are right on top of things. So, you know, that's kind of a surprise there is because, you know, it seems that sometimes people put, stick their nose up at lower divisions. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm thinking, wait a minute, you don't know how good some of these players are on these, on these teams, right. how well coached they are, how competitive the programs are. Um, but, you know, the difference between those programs is in Division One. if you're playing Division One in whatever sport, for the team to compete, they have to uniformly, they have to be good. They have to be competitive. Right. They're going to get killed. Um, in the... Division threes, you might be dealing with some division. A division three school that might be a real powerhouse might end up being playing a school that's much smaller. Is going to have a much smaller athletic department. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might see that. But you know, the the other thing that was surprising is just how good these teams in the lower division are and how good the programs are. Yeah, 
Well, I know um, for lacrosse, which again, like this, it's, it's a good thing to see. Yeah, for the opportunity in lacrosse, there's just many more opportunities for the D3 because there's only a limited, I think, 68 or 69 programs to date that even offer Division One. But you look at how many kids are playing high school sports. I mean, you, you, you're going to get Division Two and Division Three. But I think you're you're right. People look at some of those divisions and like, oh, you know, because I think everybody grows up. Because I mean, D one's on TV. And they have the big, the big games, and right, right? All the sports, and that's you know, D one is is the dream for a lot of kids. So you know, when it comes to like, oh, I don't want to play D three, because in their mind, it's just you know, D one has been the dream. But I, you know, you're exactly right. I think it's one of those things like people have that, you know, idea in their head, and it's it, it can be tough for right. them to overcome. Um, you'd mentioned misconceptions earlier. Is there? One or two um, misconceptions that maybe a parent or a coach has approached you since looking at your site and be like, I didn't realize that or I didn't know that. Well, one is just the, the amount of scholarships that are available per the players. Um, and that, that's a surprise. So actually, let's look at lacrosse. It's just a really good example. And again, so I'm looking at the site. So Division One, the average team size is 45. Mm-hmm. Athletic scholarship limit for division one is 12.6 okay yeah. so you know it's less than 30 yeah. percent um and that's the reason we put in that is do the math is i just think a lot of people gloss over that yeah when if you started you got to do the do the math on that yeah and like you said um, earlier if you look at the tuition for some of those schools and you start to look at like the, i having covered across for a number of years like full full rides in scott and across are, are very rare i think i saw a quote in an article in u.s across yeah. they're like you know all the guys that have gotten full rides or have the last name Powell. so you know it's one of those like it's a yeah. very top tier guy you know those very once in a generation kind of guys are going to get that so you're likely not to get a full ride so you're going to be paying some portion of your college tuition how much that is like it's probably pretty good because the coaches have to fill a roster and you have to get a roster of talented players if you want to compete you know, it's going to be tough. That's why, you know, I think you mentioned grades earlier. That's that's a very good aspect that I think students need to, students and parents need to realize. Like, you got to start early because if you can get some sort of academic scholarship, like, I'm sure you could probably go walk on at Johns Hopkins if you got a full academic scholarship. You know, though, you, you, can, you yeah, can at least try out still, for the team. Still a compete, yeah. competitive program. And the other thing is um, we put in that um, the percentages of an odds of a high school athlete playing college lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Um, and look how low they are. Yeah. Um, I think the high know, was so, D3 at 7%. It was 13% total. It was like 7 for D3 and like 2.8 for D1. Yeah, and actually, and for lacrosse, I think you have to put a grain of salt with that. That's one of the sports. Um, because some of these sports, if they don't have a really developed high school program, mm-hmm. then the numbers don't make any sense. Right. So if you look at something like football, which is extremely competitive at the high school level, um, and also basketball. The, the kids that are going to be playing in college are on high school teams in basketball and football. Right. Um, lacrosse, there's a fair amount of travel. Okay, mm-hmm. but there's so, lacrosse tends to be regional, so there's a lot of players that are playing in really good high school lacrosse programs. Um, and, you know, they might be playing travel, too, mm-hmm. but travel isn't really usurping high school so much. Other sports, is totally different. Uh, baseball, a lot of kids do not play high school baseball now. Right. 
They're playing. They're playing travel. Mm-hmm. Um, now, high school baseball gets the people that go to college. There's a little difference there in that so many kids that are really, really talented just go straight to the minors. They sign a pro contract and don't go to college. Right. Um, so that tends to get backed out. But things like rowing is people think rowing's just great in terms of participation. And you go there's. We used to even put the table there and said it wasn't meaningful. And finally, we just scratched the table because they said there's very few high schools that have a rowing program. You know, so the people that row in college probably, if they were rowing in high school, they were rowing on a club, you know, club team. Right. Somewhere because their high school most likely didn't have a rowing team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of people with rowing, especially in women's rowing, is you get someone who's very good at basketball or volleyball. They think they're going to get a scholarship. They don't because those sports are so competitive. But, you know, they're a big, tall, athletic gal, and the rowing coach says, hey, come on out for rowing. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. someone who's never played, did the sport in high school is is competing in college in that sport. Yeah. Um, but th- that's something that people need to look at, too, is uh, so for a lot of these sports, so basketball, percentage of high school players, and now if you're playing on a high school team, you must be you're typically pretty good at most high schools. Mm-hmm. Um, just playing on a high school team is competitive. The percentage of playing in Division One is 1%. You know, yeah. so, you know, talking to a kid about it, and I, you know, he thinks he is good. He's good in basketball. But I said, to play Division One, I, I said, you can get 100 kids like you. They're good players on their high school team. I said, put them on a gym. And I said, one of them is going to end up on a D1 roster. Yeah. Might not even start. I said, that's <laughs> just making the roster. Right. Um, so I said, that's how competitive it is. So... But again, that's also where the grades really come into effect. If it's that, if it's that competitive, um, and th- this is the thing that I I've, was actually one of the most surprising things when we were putting the site together, is the coaches keep touching on it. And they said it isn't just the grades. They said one, if they do the grades, it means they're they're studying, mm-hmm. know, they're doing the work. Um, but it also means they said they tend to be listening. It's kind of an indication because I'm sure their parents are always saying, you know, do your studying. Their, their teachers are saying, do your studying, mm-hmm. be prepared. And I said, if they aren't getting the grades, they probably aren't listening. They're, I mean, there's kind of an indication of that. Right, yeah. Um, and a coach is going to look at that, you know, very closely. And the other real important thing is the biggest difference between most of these coaches will say from going from high school to college is time management. You know, they just said the, the commitment to play – you know, let's say lacrosse in college is going to take up a lot more time on the practice field than you, they experienced in high school. Mm-hmm. And their classwork is probably going to be tougher than it was in high school. Mm-hmm. So they said, you're going to have to manage your time much better. Um, and if the kid can't manage his time in high school, you know, by doing some studying and getting the homework done, um, it doesn't look good for him in college. Right. And, and that's where kids get surprised, as they said, you know, this other kid got recruited. Um, he's not as good as me. Yeah. You know? And they don't understand the difference. Saying, yeah, he probably wasn't as good as you, but the coach is looking as, this kid's probably not going to wash out. He's probably much more coachable. Um, because coaches don't want to recruit kids that, you know, end up having difficulty in college. It's, mm-hmm. it's good for nobody. It's bad for the program. It's bad for the kid. Yeah. Um, so that, that's interesting. As I found it's just, uh, uh, I mean, I knew the grades were important, but how important it is I thought was is pretty interesting. Oh, it definitely could be a difference maker for sure. Um, so you mentioned kind of the, the growing the site a little bit, like just to kind of wrap up, like where do you kind of see, you know, is there any plans for the site um, in the in the near long-term future? 
Um, we're going to make it more mobile friendly. Okay. Which it isn't now because it's just big tables. Right. Um, yeah. If we were added, we added a coach's corner, and it's not on. We just started it actually this last week. Okay. Uh, so the first sport we have it on is on our wrestling page. Okay. Um, but there's some pretty interesting stuff there. That, okay. You know, and again, the site goes towards uh, middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. Um, middle and high school participants. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that, I think, is going to be really helpful because it tends to, you can look at the data and then you basically have a coach saying, kind of interpreting for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be, you know, a good dive. All right. That was my interview with Patrick O'Rourke, founder of ScholarshipStats.com. I know it was a little bit longer than the usual podcast, but we kind of got lost, as you can tell, just discussing stats and different things about the sport. So I hope you guys enjoyed it, and please visit his site, ScholarshipStats.com. And if you have any questions, be sure to shoot me a message on Twitter or Instagram, at Lax Records, or find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash lax records or you can always shoot me an an email at mloveday at lax records have a good day